morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. Summer, I think, even though summer is not officially here, it's officially here because, friends, it's going to be hot today. I heard somebody say earlier today we're going to have a record blown right out of the water, so get out this afternoon, enjoy yourself, get in the pool, get somewhere where you can have fun with friends and family, and just enjoy the day. Make the most that God has given us today. We're excited that you're here, and again, excited for those that are joining us online, whether that's Facebook Live or joining us for the audio version of today's service. We invite you, if you're on Facebook Live, as I said every week, even you in the auditorium, I want to, we always want to encourage you to do this. You can pick up your cell phone right now, log on to your Facebook account, and share this from our page to your page. That way it just multiplies the amount of people that sees this. And again, that's what we want to do. We want to expose many, uh, as many people to the life-changing message of Jesus Christ as we possibly can. So if you'll do that here and if you'll do that at home, we will tell you that we appreciate you. I also want to say this. I want to share with you, as you saw that video, we talk about giving. Again, we talk about it here semi-regularly. We're going to encourage you to do that because, again, it's just part of who we are is following Jesus. Uh, we give sacrificially for what God has done for us, knowing that when we give, He gives back to us. So I want to thank those of you who, over the last year, and it's been a troublesome year, a tough year financially. I mean, many of those months we weren't meeting or we were meeting on an abbreviated schedule. So for those of you who gave faithfully, you mailed it in, you gave online, you did it however you did it through your mobile app, uh, through our mobile app on your cell phone, on your, on your smartphone, I want to thank you for being faithful with your giving. I also want to encourage you that if you're new to Crossroads and you think you're going to call this your home, get involved in giving. Get involved in giving to God and what God is doing here through the mission and the vision of our church. It's so important as we step out and step up to the things that God has called us. We need your financial support. So whether you do that online, whether you do that in the bucket at the end of the service, uh, as you exit, or whether you do it at a kiosk in the lobby using your bank card. Uh, we want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing here. And I'm going to tell you, you can't outgive God. Am I right? You cannot outgive God. So again, I will tell you this, and I will let you note it down right now. Today is the 23rd of May, uh, and I will tell you, if you give to God and you don't see amazing things happen in your life, you come to me and you tell me, I started giving on the 23rd, this is what you said would happen, and it hasn't happened in my life, and I'll give you every bit of your money back. So you're going to have to use your checks or you're going to have to use the bank card so that we can make sure that, you know, I mean, because I know how this works, you know what I'm saying? I, so, but again, if, if you don't believe it and you didn't see it, uh, you come to me and I guarantee you, I will give you every dime that you gave back if you don't see God move monumentally in your life. You know, this is the second week of our series, a four-part series that we started last week called I Quit. And I was thinking back a couple of weeks ago, as we're starting to see things change progressively in our country, and, and one of the things that I have seen is people are excited to get back on a schedule, right? Are you excited to be out? Are you excited not to have to wear a mask? Yeah. I went, I went two different places, yeah, oh, and you can wear one. And look, I'm not, I, you do what you're comfortable with. You know, I called heck online because I said something one time, listen, take it you know, with the, with, 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 in the spirit in which it's been said, and understand that you do you, okay? But uh, this, the, the mask thing, I went two places yesterday, big crowds there at both places. I didn't see a mask one. 
and it was so nice to see people smile, right? I mean, see their face, see the excitement. Uh, I went to a wedding yesterday and see people excited, just excited to be there and happy to be there. And then I came back and we went somewhere last night and I only saw, I think I only, actually only saw one mask other than this guy who was wearing his in the car while he was driving by himself, which I will never understand. So anyway, but if that's what you want to do, you do you. Don't criticize me. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just making fun of you, okay? That's all I'm doing. So, so, so anyway, but, but, but again, people, people are just wanting to get back to normal. And I've told you, we're not going back to normal at Crossroads because normal was not working. But it's interesting to know that people want to get on a schedule. They want to get out and they want to start doing things. And not only do they want to start doing things, a lot of the people that I have been talking to have said, you know what, we lost almost a year. I mean, we didn't lose it, but we lost it. And they have said, you know what, I, I, I just want to do the things that I was used to doing, but I don't only want to do the things that I'm used to doing. I want to do the new things. I want to do some new things. I want to incorporate, incorporate those things in my life because during this year, there are so many things that I have missed out on. And it made me think, as people are looking to try new things, to try to get back to normal, it made me really think, Maybe there are some current things. Maybe there are some things that we've been doing that were a part of our normal schedule. Maybe instead of looking at trying all these new things and doing all the old things, there are some things that we need to quit. Maybe the answer to a, a healthier, happier, and more successful life lies not in what we do, but maybe that healthier, more successful, happier life actually lies in what we quit. I referenced it last week in her book, The Best Yes. Lisa Turkhurst says that the decisions we make dictate the schedules that we keep. And the schedule that we keep determines the lives that we live. Last weekend, as we started this series, we talked about how easy it is to cram our schedule with all of these things that we need to do. And in cramming your schedule with all these things that you think you have to do or need to do, you, you become so busy. And, and in becoming so busy, we can truly miss out when it comes to being the person that we want to be. And you miss out on, on being the person that you want to be by truly allowing too many things in your schedule. Because you see, here's the thing, we live in a culture, you and I live in a society, we live in a culture that, that, that today often puts a greater value on being busy than it does being connected. We live in a culture that puts more emphasis on being busy than it does deep relational connectedness. And the reason is this. Many of us in this room, many of those watching online and listening online, we believe if we're not busy then we're not valuable. But deep transformation will never happen when you, when you value busyness and achieving over loving and serving other people. And I want to say something that I said last weekend, and I've said this before, and again, if you have a Bible and you have a pen, I think this is worthy of writing down. This is worthy of making a note. Because I want you to understand you can't live a hurried life and a compassionate life at the same time. 
It is simply impossible to live a hurried life and a compassionate life at the same time. It's our love of speed. It's our, love of, it's our obsession with speed and doing more and more in less and less time. That obsession has honestly, in our culture, it's gone too far. And for many people, that obsession with doing more in the time that we've been given, that obsession has turned into an addiction for a number of us. And in turning to an addiction, we have become overcommitted, overburdened, and overwhelmed. So I said last weekend, sometimes you just have to empty your schedule. Sometimes you just have to empty your routine of some of the things that you really don't need to do so that God can fill up your heart with some of the things that you do need. That's the basis of this question. Sometimes it's not, or this series, sometimes it's not about adding. Sometimes it's actually about quitting. Because maybe that healthier, happier, more successful life, maybe that life lies not in what we do, but it actually lies in what we're willing to quit. So last weekend, our focus was on the time that God has given us and how we're going to use that time. This week, I was scrolling through Instagram. I think it was Wednesday morning. And I know you're like me. You, I try to do as little social media as I can, but I post some of the stuff for the church, not everything for the church, but I post some of the stuff for the church, so it requires me to be on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And, and on Wednesday morning, just before I was about to have breakfast with a friend of mine, uh, I ran across an influencer. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say an influencer on Instagram? These are the people who have lots of followers, have lots of influence, lots of people look and listen and watch these people. But it was really interesting because th this particular person that I follow is in California. Uh, and this particular person is, uh, unbeknownst, but you probably won't understand this, is in the fashion business. And I was kind of following him uh, because that, that's always interesting to me. I, I love to see what people are wearing and what the trends are and that kind of thing. And, and, and here's what was surprising that I read. There was a picture of himself that he took, and this is what he said. He said, started my day pretty sad today. Got caught up on social media, and it was comparisons. The comparisons got the best of me. It happened. And it made me think. That happens to me. I look at other preachers, I look at other churches, I look at other speakers. I get up with the best attitude, and I scroll through Instagram or look through Facebook or see, see something on Twitter, and although I started out with a great attitude in the best way, I look at something that's happening in the life of somebody else, and I fear inferior, and I start comparing myself to them. See, here's the thing. Comparison is okay. It's okay to compare things, but to, to put two things side by side. It's okay for you to, to compare golf clubs, one golf club against another golf club. It's okay for you to compare cars. It's okay for you to compare shoes. I mean, that's naturally what we're going to do. When we go shopping, we're going to compare things. We're going to put two things right beside each other, and we're going to compare those. But here's the thing you have to understand. When it comes to comparison with people, it's not okay. Comparison with people is not okay. 
Because for people, listen to me this morning, for people, comparison is deadly. And let me tell you why it's deadly. Comparison is deadly because comparison almost always, listen, 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 listen. Comparison almost always questions motives. Comparison is always looking for the flaws in other people. Comparison is always looking and hoping that that somebody does less than their very best. You know, when the new year rolls around, I'll have people ask me, Randy, what are your New Year's resolutions? And, And if you've been at Crossroads for any time, uh, length of time, then you know that I don't make New Year's resolutions. I just don't believe in it, really, not, not, not like a lot of people do. But a year or two ago, and mainly because of social media, I, I kind of I came into the, one of those new years with an idea that, you know what, one of the things that I was going to try to quit doing this year or that year was comparing. I, I, I was just going to be resolute about myself, the one thing I was going to try to quit doing, the one thing I was going to try to quit was comparing. I mean, think about it. When you go through Scripture, it's it's amazing how prominent envy is because envy and comparison are like cousins. They're like, I mean, they're just like the same. I I mean, it's amazing how prominent envy is when you read Scripture. Think about it. Cain and Abel. Jacob and Esau. Jacob hates Esau. See, and some of you can relate to that. Jacob hated Esau because his father favored him more than he did Jacob. And that's the way some of you feel. You feel like one of your parents maybe favors your brother or sister over you. We see envy all throughout the Scripture. Joseph, his brother sold him into slavery out of envy. What did Joseph have? Joseph had vision. Joseph had had purpose for his life. And some of you, you're comparing yourself this morning to other people that you know. And those other people that you're comparing yourself to, they have purpose and they have vision for their life. I mean, think about Scripture. Leah was a, was, a, was a person who had beautiful eyes. And many of us right now are thinking about other people. Why is it that the other people always have the perfect body? So here's the thing I've discovered about envy. Envy breeds in proximity. What I say a while ago, you can compare two cars side by side, golf clubs side by side, a a pair of shoes and another pair of shoes side by side. But when it comes to people, envy breeds in proximity. I mean, think about it. You don't compare your house to the mansion across town. You compare your house to the other houses in your neighborhood. It's proximity. We don't compare our yards to yards in Nashville, but we compare our yard to yards close, that are close to us. So it tells me that comparing or envy, it always happens in proximity. 
Now think about it this morning. When we compare, we, we want to be the best. When you take things and compare things with, the, with other people like your friends, you want to be the best in the circle of friends that you have. And, and it made me ask the question, why? Why are we envious? Well, one of the reasons that I think we're envious is because envy is something that we're kind of indirectly taught. Because think about it, from a very early age, you were taught as a child to compare. I mean, look back, maybe your parents compared you with one of your brothers or sisters. Maybe your parents compared you with some of your friends or, or maybe a cousin. Let's take that one step further. We have teachers and coaches who compare us to other students. We have standardized tests and performance evaluations at work. And then what are there? There are beauty contests. I mean, our society, our culture encourages everyone to earn more money, to look better, to do better, to learn more, and to have more. So it's easy to see that our society creates inevitable comparisons. And at the same time that our society creates inevitable, inevitable comparisons, our society also creates inevitable dissatisfaction. Now think about it this morning. Comparison or envy, it's not just an issue that's about stuff. It's not just, well, if I had their house, I'd be happy. If I had their car, I'd be happy. Comparison is not just, about, it's not just a people issue. It's not a stuff issue, and it's not just a people issue. It's not, you know, all those skinny people, all those tall, you know, those well-built people. If I was just like them, then I'd be fine. It's not just a stuff issue. It's not just a people issue. Because the thing we have to understand is that every person in this room, all of us watching online, those listening online, we have a deep insecurity, and that insecurity seeks deep into our soul. So it doesn't matter how much you get. So you think, well, if I'd married him, or if I had that car, or if I lived in that house, then I'd be fine. And let me tell you, listen, you only think that because you simply don't understand. You only think that way because you don't comprehend the depth of the brokenness that you have as a human being. So I want you to understand, envy is a spiritual issue. We envy because there's a difference between who we are and who we feel that we should be. And we live in a culture that currently, right now, more than ever in its history, is obsessed with comparisons. I want us to go to Scripture this morning, and I want us to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It's going to be a, a very familiar verse for many of you. Here's what it says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant 
or his maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now here, again, I, I want to address a question that I asked last week, but, but, but again, this is a little more uh, relevant, and it's a little more evident as well. Why did God put this in there? I'll tell you why. Because God knew something about you. God knew that you were going to be born. God knew that you were going to be born, in, born into this broken condition that we call the human humanity or a human being. And God knew that there was always going to be a tendency, listen to me this morning, there was always going to be a tendency for you to look back over your shoulder to see what other people were doing and what other people had. God knew there was a tendency in your life to look back and see, oh, who got the corner office with the window? God knew that there was going to be a tendency for you to look around on Sunday morning at Crossroads and say, oh, who's, who's wearing the new outfit? Who's got, who's got the new spring sweater? God knew there was a tendency in your life to look back over your shoulder and say, who has the, the most well-behaved children? Who has a new iPhone, a new iMac, a new anything else that begins with I? Who has one of those? Look with me at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. This speaks so clearly to this idea of envy and comparison. It says, when they measure themselves with themselves, when they compare themselves, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, now look at what it says. They are without understanding, and they behave unwisely. That's good, people. That's social media right there. When they compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding, and they behave unwisely. And see, here's the thing we have to understand this morning. At some point in all of our lives, as it relates to this whole idea of envy and comparison, the rubber's going to meet the road. And let me tell you the place where I believe the rubber's going to meet the road. The rubber's going to meet the road because we need to understand that there is a direct connection between your lack of joy and gratitude and your compulsion to compare. When you spend all of your time looking at their Range Rover and you're a ranger, there's a direct connection between spending your time comparing and the joy and the gratitude that you don't have in life. I know this. I know this because I can't tell you how many times I got up, got out of the bed, went out into the world, and I was feeling good about my life, my family, and my stuff. And immediately, in a split second, it was gone. Because I consciously or unconsciously started comparing myself to other people. 
And that's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand this morning. If you leave out of here and don't understand this, then I have failed. I want you to understand comparison is a deadly game. Comparison is a deadly game because here's the thing. It's a game that always leads to competing and conforming. Comparison always leads to either false pride or false inferiority. And if you're like me, you've played this game. Because here's the danger of comparison. The danger of you comparing your life to, to other people is no matter what you do. Listen to me. Eventually, there's always going to be lady, ladies, there's always going to be another woman who's prettier. Guys, there's always going to be another guy who's better looking than you are. There's always going to be somebody who's smarter, somebody who's thinner, somebody who's faster or more popular or more gifted. There's always going to be somebody more. That's the danger of the comparison game. So the question this morning is this. How do we quit? How do we quit comparing? How do we quit this envious cycle that we find ourselves in? Because I think we have to understand that letting go of that of comparison. It's just not something that you put on the to-do list. Letting go of comparison is not what I call a to-do list item. Because for most of us in this room, most of those who are watching online, this is going to be something in our life that needs constant awareness. Because see, here's the thing. I say that because I understand it. It's easy to take your eye off the path. And I want to look back over your shoulder at what other people have or how other people are doing. Wondering, are, are, are my friends ahead of me or are they behind me? It's easy to take your eye off the path. So let me give you a great place to start. And this is something that I have already alluded to when it comes to this whole idea of comparison. Now, let me say this. I understand that some of you here and some of those watching and listening are not into this. But by and large, in our culture, it's the biggest culprit. It's the biggest problem. So this is the place that I have to start, and I have to tell you this. Don't use social media as a measurement tool. Don't use social media as a measurement tool. Remember, that's the exact example that I gave you just a few moments ago. Many people that I know personally right now are exhausting themselves trying to keep up with the trends that they see on social media. Many people get very depressed when they see their friends and other people within their circle, within the church, people that they know, people in their community that they follow. They get very depressed because they're not able to keep up with what other people are doing. They're not able to have the things that other people have. Let me ask you a question, or maybe you ask yourself this question, or maybe you say this to yourself. You know, you get online, you go through Instagram, and you see somebody on vacation, and you say, oh, I just wish I didn't know that. I just wish I didn't know where they went on vacation. I wish I didn't know who they went out with last weekend. Can I be very intentional right here and tell you this? You're never going to see Randy Cook make a picture and post it up when I'm with people. 
Somebody else may do that, but I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because I may go out with these two couples this weekend, and I may go out with this couple this next weekend, and, and I may have a circle of friends that go out next weekend, and somebody that I didn't think about, you know, inviting or somebody who couldn't go or, so, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. They see the picture. I understand that it might make them think, well, I don't like them. I, I'm very careful. And I'm just going to encourage you to say, you know, you don't have to tell me everything that you eat. And you don't have to tell me everything that every place that you go. You know what I love seeing? I love seeing pictures of your family out in the yard throwing water balloons. That's the kind of stuff I like to see. I don't need to see your new pair of jeans. I don't need to see your new bikini. You don't need to see me in my Speedo. I know that scarred you. I know. But you know what I'm telling you? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Show me your family. Show me your kids. Show me the things that you, that you really love, the things that love you back, the things that you enjoy doing. Get off of the material train. Because, again, there's, there's this whole thing. It, it starts, my, if, if I'm not careful, I'm going to tell you, I, I preach from my weaknesses. If I'm not careful and I'm looking at all this thing, I'm thinking I'm inferior. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? I mean, you could make $200,000 a year and, and, and just post all of this stuff up. And, and, and you know, somebody else could make $400,000, and they could be envious of you because just basically you select what you post up, and they think you're making more than them. This is the cycle that I'm talking about. See, I'm going to tell you right now, I know personally some of my friends who are absolutely broke because they're trying to keep up with people on social media. Maybe your financial problems are from trying to keep up with so-and-so. I mean, could that be the issue? Listen to what I'm about to say. Social media is to envy what gasoline is to a fire. I know it because I have a horrible habit. Listen to me this morning. I have a horrible habit of waking up and the first thing I do is go get my phone and turn it on and I want to scroll through Instagram and Facebook. But let me stop. I've already read half of the New Testament that morning and then I did it, okay? So, yeah, right, whatever. But see, here's the thing. When I look at social media, I see all the pictures and the posts that tell me in so many ways all the areas in my life where I'm falling behind. One of my friends has written a new book. One of my friends got a new car. This other family that we're friends with took a two-week vacation. Another friend of mine ran 6.2 miles in 25 minutes, and here I am still in the pajamas in the bed. <laughs> so am I really falling behind? I mean, think about social media. Am I really falling behind? Is anybody really keeping the score? Does anybody actually post things on, on social media thinking I'm going to get back at Randy and make him feel bad? Of course not. But if I'm not careful, it's terribly, terribly easy 
to view social media streams as a constant reminder of all the things I'm not doing, all the dreams I'm not fulfilling, all the rooms in my house that I have failed to decorate in a Pinterest-worthy manner. Listen, in our comparison to soap culture, it's hard. It's hard to avoid looking around at what other people are doing with their short time on earth and slipping, oftentimes even subconsciously, into asking ourselves the question, how do I stack up against them? It's hard not to do that. But listen to what I'm about to say. This isn't a social media problem. It's a comparison problem. Here's my next point. Choose admiration over envy. How do we quit the game, the cycle of comparison? Always choose admiration over envy. Now think about it this morning because I want you to understand something you probably don't understand. There's a fine line between those two things, admiration and envy. There's a fine line between admiration and envy because admiration and envy are responses that actually, listen to, listen to what I'm about to say, they're responses that point us toward what we actually value the most. And when we become aware of what we value, we are much better positioned to create a life that's richly satisfying. Because see, here's the thing. It's much easier to look at somebody who has it all. I'm going to use the words up there. It's much easier to look at somebody up there and envy what they've got than it is to look at them and ask yourself the tougher questions. Questions like, what do they have that I wish I had? Well, what, what, what is it that I admire about them? Or, or maybe, what is it that they have done to get where they are today? And to ask the tough question, when you look at somebody who seems to have more than you, what is it about them that actually inspires me? How might my expression of these qualities differ from theirs? Or, or maybe what can I learn from my desire to embody these qualities more fully? Because here's the thing. If you'll ask yourself the tough questions, like some of those questions that I just read off to you, if you'll take your time to ask those questions, those questions will shift you out of comparison mode and immediately turn and face inward to the heart of the matter in your own life. And the heart of the matter is your own desires and your own fears, which we're going to talk about fear in a week or two. Here's something else, another point. Allow, allow comparison to become celebration. Now, now listen to me this morning. Allow your friend's accomplishments 
to be a cause for celebration, not bitterness. Let me tell you, that's, that's going to be hard for a lot of people. Allow your friends and what they accomplish to be a cause for celebration and not a cause for bitterness. See, here's the thing I understand. I, I have a, a good friend, uh, Pete Wilson, and Pete was the, the founding pastor of Cross Point Church in Nashville, and Pete and I talk on a regular basis. And one of the things that, you know, I initially noticed in his life was his ability to always say something positive about other people. I mean, you know, consistently I listened to him and watch him in conversations where he would always be complimentary when I would actually know that the person that he was speaking to didn't need to be complimented because they were somebody who actually had stabbed him in the back. But I always saw him take the high road. And I always saw him say, say things that were positive. I always, regardless of the circumstances, I always saw him celebrate people regardless of, fa of the fact of what they had done to him. And let me just tell you this morning, I want to be better at that. You know, when, when I see somebody and, and, and I haven't seen them in a while, why is it that I can't say something good about them? I mean, just, just my natural response is, man, man, you, you know, your, your tan looks great or your, your jacket looks great. Or, man, you just, there's just something that looks great about you. That's the way Pete always is. He always says something positive, even when people I know have stabbed him in the back. And the reason why I think this is so important is because we underestimate the power of our words. Amen? We underestimate the power of the words that we use. We misunderstand how powerful our words are. So if you meet somebody or see somebody that's a friend, if there's a quality about that person that you admire, then here's the thing you need to do this afternoon. Tell them about it. If there's something in the life of somebody else that you admire about them, then speak it to them. Take time and speak words into the life of people. Speak words that breathe life, not death. Plant seeds of encouragement in the lives of the people that are around you. In fact, why don't you throw encouragement out like confetti? I wanted to get one of those confetti guns, but I was afraid that somebody would have a heart attack, so I wasn't going to shoot. I almost did it. Why don't you throw encouragement out to other people like confetti? Because here's the thing. It's hard for you to, listen, 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 listen. It's hard for you to be envious of somebody that you're consistently celebrating, right? You can't envy somebody that you're consistently celebrating and encouraging. So that leads me to here. You have to get straight who God has made you to be. Look at James chapter 3, verse 16. For where you have envy and self-ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let me tell you what envy does. 
the first thing that envy does is it devalues my self-worth because it denies the uniqueness that God made when he created me. And it defeats the constructive work of the Spirit in my heart. Always remember this. Every time God creates, he does it with intention. Amen. Every time God creates, he does so with intention. See, here's the thing, and I tell you, I speak from where I am, where I struggle. All of my life, I have played a mental game that has wreaked havoc on my life, and it has, and it has distracted me from God's call on my life. It's a game that I call the, the I wish game. It's not like Uno, not as much fun. Not a harmless game like Candyland or Shoots and Ladders. The I wish game is a dangerous game. And it has dangerous implications. Because no matter how hard you try, you'll never win the game. It goes something like this. I wish. I wish I could speak like so-and-so. I, I wish I could be creative like so-and-so. I wish I was a leader like so-and-so. It's just always looking at other people and comparing yourself to those people and the gifts and the talents that they have and you saying, I wish. And let me tell you this morning, don't play the game. Don't play the I wish game. Do yourself a favor and don't play the I wish game. Because you see, the primary reason that you envy, the primary reason that you compare, is because you're looking outside of yourself to feel good about yourself. And the fact is this, your creator the God who loves you, the God who made you, the God who knitted you in your mother's womb. He longs for you. Listen to me this morning. He longs for you to be truly content with how he chose to make you. He wants you to be content with exactly where you are and with the gifts that he chose to give you. Look with me at Galatians 4. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the last. The literal word that encapsulates Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 is the word redeem. Redeem is to, to buy back. Redeem is to, to regain what was lost. Regain means to join something together that had been separated. God redeemed us so that we could, he could adopt us as his children. Now listen to me. I'm going to say something that sometimes just wigs people out. Jesus didn't just come to this earth to forgive you. 
He didn't just come to this earth so that you could go to heaven when you die. Jesus came to redeem you. And what Paul's audience knows in Galatians is that this God, this God who knows your past, this God who knows your weaknesses, he sent his son into this world, sent Jesus into the world so that you, you right now, this morning, can be adopted by him. It's not just the fact that you're a Christian. It's not just the fact that you're going to go to heaven. But that broken condition of the human, that brokenness, that brokenness has been restored. Look look at verse 6. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. That language, Abba, Father, literally means daddy. That language, listen to me this morning, that language is very intentional. Because here's the thing, listen. In your life, as long as you're looking at other people, as long as you're going through life and scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, as long as you're looking to the right and to the left, listen, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. But what if instead of looking right or left, what if instead of saying, you know, I wish I was this or I wish I had that, what if we just stopped this morning and said, you know what? I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up because I want to see me the way that God sees me. Because you see, let me tell you, if you're looking anywhere else for approval, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be dissatisfied. If you look to any other love, any other love, ultimately it will leave you looking to the right or to the left. So the best way that you can remember who you are is in a place like this. It's in authentic community. It's in authentic community. God longs for you and for me to live our lives and to have a heart, a heart that's at peace. He knows how deadly envy is. And he's asking us to get rid of it for our own sake. For the sake of our relationship with Him. And for the sake of true community. And let me tell you, I struggle with this as much as anybody. But I'm starting to actually see progress in my own life. Gradually, I'm starting to accept with joy who I am and who I'm not. Gradually, I'm starting to notice that I'm doing a little less looking to the left and a little less looking to the right. Gradually, I've noticed that I'm starting to look up more. Because it's there and only there that I truly will understand that I am enough. 
Some of you have spent your whole life looking to the right and to the left. And the result has been that it's left you feeling like you're not enough. Some of you have spent so much time looking at other people, looking to the right, looking to the left, thinking, you know what, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not successful enough, I'm not lovable enough, I'm not worthy enough. You basically have spent your whole life looking to the left and to the right. Well, this morning I would say this, look up. Look up. Because you have been redeemed. You've been made whole. And when you hear that whisper from heaven, I am enough. You just look up. Because God says, I want you. I just wish you could see what I see when I look at you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, this whole game of comparison, it's a game we all play. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, we all play the I wish game. And it's a dangerous game. The encouragement that we get this morning is that you created us the way that you wanted us to be. Some of us tall, some of us skinny, some of us short, some of us fat. Some of us with the perfect body, some of us not with the perfect body. But you created us with intention. And we don't need to be held as a slave by looking to the right and to the left and comparing ourselves with other people. When we look up, we experience freedom. When we hear the whisper that says we're enough, that's all we have to listen to. That's the most important thing. God, my hope, my prayer today is that you and I, as his children, would quit comparing and live the life that he's called us to be in freedom as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you guys to stand and worship with us on this last song. We're no longer slaves. We're free by the Son of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.
social media. Don't find yourself in that trap of comparing your life with the life of somebody else. Because let me tell you, you're always going to see the highlight reel of that other person's life. You're not seeing the baby with the dirty diapers, the kid that threw up on them. You're not going to see all that. Just be careful. And most of the, most importantly, spend your time looking up and just see yourself the way that God sees you. Walk in the freedom that he's provided. He's redeemed you. 